Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris Hume, the managing editor of the Lancaster Patriot, and I'm joined today again by Pastor Joel Saint of Independence Reform Bible Church. Joel, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me again. Did you have a good Christmas? I did indeed. All right. Uh, yeah, rented the lodge, uh, 21 frantic children running around. Okay. <laughs> a lot of fun. No, it was, it was good. It was good. Awesome. Children are a blessing, uh, fruit of the womb to reward right? The union of marriage between a man and a woman, which is a theme we're going to be talking about today. So first, our episode is brought to you by Heritage Floors. They can help you create the home of your dreams with shades, carpets, area rugs, specialty flooring, and more. No matter what you're doing in your home, they're there to help. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, they'll give you all the supplies. If you want them to install, they can do that as well. They can offer you the quality your home deserves at a small town shop, and yet they can compete with the big brand prices. So go to heritagefloorspa.com or visit their showroom in Ronx. Your perfect home starts at Heritage Floors. All right, Joel, today I want to pick up on where we left off very briefly last episode. At the end of that episode, we talked very briefly about the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Okay, This was a federal measure signed by President Biden, which repeals the Defense of Marriage Act, which was signed by another Democrat president, Clinton, uh, which the Defense of Marriage Act legally defined marriages between one man and one woman and permitted states not to recognize those same-sex marriages, quote-unquote, from other states. Now, there is some limitation to this bill, uh, this act, Joel, the Disrespect for Marriage Act. It doesn't technically require states to issue the same-sex marriage licenses. So uh, the concern, I think, is that from those that are trying to redefine marriage is that if Obergefell is overturned, if the Supreme Court ends up overturning Obergefell as they overturned Roe, uh, then the regulation of same-sex marriage would go back to the individual states. So in that case, the disrespect for Marriage Act, as I call it, uh, would be very limited in what it can do. So it's kind of, uh, perhaps it would benefit in that case, actually, but it wouldn't force a state to do so. So in any case, maybe we get into those details at another time, but uh, it, it is another example of an attempt by the LGB whatever people to keep pushing this sin further and further into the public square, right? And all done, of course, under the guise of, equal justice. And so I wanted to read a couple quotes here. I didn't read these last week. This was from Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer prior to their vote on this, this Disrespect for Marriage Act. He said, I hope, it can get, I hope we can get it done with all due speed because millions of Americans deserve equal justice under the law and the peace of mind knowing their right to marry the person they love is protected. We talked a little bit about that person piece last week, but today I'm focusing on that equal justice part. And then Mitt Romney untypical fashion, flopped on this issue as well. And he said, quote, Well, I believe in traditional marriage. Obergefell is and has been the law of the land, which I think we should question whether a Supreme Court ruling is the law of the land. But in any case, he says, Obergefell is and has been the law of the land upon which LGBTQ individuals have relied. This legislation provides certainty to many LGBTQ Americans, and it signals that Congress and I esteem and love all our fellow Americans equally, end quote. So there's Mitt Romney, one of the, I think there was a dozen or so Republican, uh, who, Republicans who voted in favor of this act. And he's saying, oh, I, I believe in traditional marriage, but I'm still going to vote for this because I love all Americans equally. So you have that idea, again, of equality. So I want us to... Obviously, if you believe in traditional marriage, you don't love all Americans then, right? Right. You're, you're bigoted and hateful, yeah. which is actually... You know, I, I, I believe in tra- traditional marriage, but I'm going to vote for this because I love people, right? 
So I, I, I guess when he goes back and believes in traditional marriage, he doesn't love people, right? It sounds like that's what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a huge inconsistency here, and, and that it, it's kind of, and I think the uh, the Mormon the Mormons kind of came out with the same thing, and a lot of people are saying, oh no, we we, and there's probably a lot of evangelical groups that did the same. Oh yeah, we believe in traditional marriage, but you know we're going to prove this because it grants these these religious exceptions or whatever, and it's all it's just. Uh, a shell game here to continue to move this agenda forward of celebrating the sin and forcing people to celebrate it publicly. Now, but I want us to address the aspect of equality briefly, uh, and then maybe spend a little more time today, not so much in the realm of, of laws and policies, but in how Christians should respond to this sin. Because there is something from the county here that I want to bring up. But first, very briefly, Joel, Joel when you hear these politicians, these quote-unquote lawmakers talking about equality and saying that it's a matter of equal, equal justice under the law that two men are able to get married. I mean, is, that, is this an issue of equal justice, or what is this? Um, perhaps more of unequal perversion uh, is, is more like it. Uh, what do you mean equal justice? Are we still against um, incest, for example? Uh, is that unequal justice? That's, that's a question I want to ask. Is it unequal justice if we say that a man, a, 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 a boy can't marry his sister, uh, a girl can't marry her brother? Is that is that unequal justice? How about this? In some countries, a sixty-year-old men can marry eight-year-old women. We have laws uh, of consent. I believe it's sixteen here in Pennsylvania. So a fifteen-year-old cannot consent. Is that is that unequal justice? I would I would like to know. In, in other words, uh, what I'm asking is, what actually is equal justice? Any law itself is a statement of inequality. If you abide by what this law says, you will not be sanctioned by the state. If you don't abide by it, you will be sanctioned by it. So, how, so, so where's the equality in all that? And yet they keep on saying, well, we've got to need another law for equality. You know what? How's this for equality? And the anarchists would agree with this. How about no laws? The, the only way we can really have e- e- equality is no laws whatsoever. I can kill you with no consequence. You can kill me. I can capture your children, sell them off into slavery, whatever. That sounds pretty equal to me, right? Uh, I can kill you or you can kill me. How, how, how much more equal do you want to get? These people are talking about equality and there's no end to their laws. Right. So that must mean that that each law gives us more equality than what we what we had before, so we're living right now in this super unequal or unequal society. They don't know what they're talking about here. They they truly don't. And for for Mitt Romney to say, "Well, I love all marriage equally," so I'm going to support this disrespect for marriage act, and still stand behind some kind of limitation on marriage anywhere at all. Mm-hmm. Because if someone can't marry a tree, right. like or their dog, about last week, or a hologram, yes, right. yeah, we talked about the guy marrying a hologram. That's un, you know that would be unequal justice if it, he's not allowed to do that. that that's right. So uh, we could call in for a witness, uh, Mitt Romney, as well as the others that voted for this, to say, you know what, uh, shame on you if you vote against a bill allowing a man to marry a hologram or a dog or a or, or a flower. So, what about justice, Joel? You, Before the podcast started, you actually mentioned something that you were talking about with the commissioners. Not only do these politicians not understand, you know, equality, I don't think they understand justice. 
right? <clears throat> what is what is ju- what is justice, and what are, what are they trying to 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 have equally for everybody? I mean, what's their standard of of righteousness? I mean, you mentioned. I mean, we mentioned. We're going to talk about this later, probably with uh, with Amos Miller, but you know, he's still being. He's his fine has been reduced, but he's being charged all this money still. Uh, and we can talk more about that another time. But w- what is justice that Schumer and Romney are saying? We need to have e- equal justice. How do we define justice, and how are, how are these people defining it? Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to make. Uh, uh, you didn't give me permission to do this, Chris, but I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to make a shameless plug for a sermon that was preached on Christmas Day by my co-host here, Chris Hume, at the Independence Reform Bible Church, and uh, you can find it. If it's posted, I'm not sure if it's posted yet, but it will be posted on our on our Facebook page and in sermon audio as well. And uh, Chris, you talk there, and I've been thinking a lot about what you said about light and versus darkness. And in this Christmas season, the you know we, we we quote the people that have sat in darkness have seen a great light, and it turns out that that great light is the light of Christ. And here's what it says about him. I, I, I want to read this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and with justice. Now, you mentioned this morning, I was speaking with the uh, commissioners, and I was, I was discussing the idea of justice a little bit. I was discussing the Amos Miller case a little bit. Had $300,000, and I'll bring this around uh, here in a moment, $300,000, now it's down to 80000 or something like that. You know, and he's not going to go to jail. And I asked the question, was it justice when he was 300000 Was that justice? Mm-hmm. No, if he would have paid $300,000 and went to jail, he and his wife, would that have been justice? So now, now that he's not going go to go to jail, Chris... And he's only paying eighty thousand or whatever. Is that justice? Mm-hmm. What's the standard? How do we know? Right. Uh, maybe it's a million he should have paid. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was, or maybe it was zero. How do we know? Or maybe he should have been executed. Y- yeah. yeah, shot in front of a firing squad. Yeah. What's I mean, the standard here? Y- yeah, I mean he's 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 butchering meat, and he doesn't have the approval of the state. Right. What should be done with a with a with a criminal like this? Mm-hmm. And, and so. Bringing it down to down to this uh, topic here, how do we know what justice is when it comes to marriage relationships? Well, we need to start with who invented marriage. Uh, first of all, it wasn't the uh, it, it was it, it, it wasn't a committee of uh, anyone. It wasn't Chuck Schumer. No, uh, sitting down with um, Mitt Romney over um, you know tea and crumpets. You know, this this is so. Um, what, what's my word? It's so bizarre to even talk about Chris, because it is God who defined marriage, and we can either line up with his definition of, ma- of marriage, which is justice. Mm-hmm. You know, we just read, God establishes justice through his son, and he's given us his word. We know what justice is. This is not hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. We know that marriage is between one man and one woman. That is marriage. That is justice then to defend what God has established, and it's injustice to attack what God has established. This Disrespect for Marriage Act is an absolute attack on what God has stated is just. And, and the, the, um, the writer, poet, uh, G.K. Chesterton, 
uh, in the 30s, 40s, whenever he was out and about, he made the comment, he said, look, he said, um, we can say that camels have feathers. He said, but once you do that, then you'll no longer be able to define camels or feathers. Mm-hmm. You, you, you won't be able to define birds anymore, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and what's a camel? We, we don't know. It's just all like just one big hodgepodge lodge. Mm-hmm. That is what is happening with the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Mm-hmm. We are calling something marriage that is not marriage. Mm-hmm. And so you're attacking what marriage actually is. And that's why you're properly calling it the dis. It is a disrespect for. We want to be cl- as clear on that as we possibly can. Man cannot. It's funny. We, we quote, you know, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Mm-hmm. How about this? What God has defined, let not man redefine. Right. And that's really what this is all about. It's all about redefining the word marriage and also redefining justice, really. I mean, justice it has nothing to do with allowing someone to, to marry anything they want, ultimately, is where the logic of this goes. But this is going to segue into our next section here, Joel. There's been capitulation here by people like Romney. I mean, I wouldn't expect much out of him, but there's been capitulation from so-called conservatives, people who claim a Christian worldview, perhaps, where they say, well, we're going to recognize this as marriage. I mean, that is surrendering completely. And it's the same with these, this transgender stuff where you have so-called conservatives buying into that and affirming it and calling uh, Admiral Levine or whatever, saying, she... You should not do that. that. That's a man. Call him a he. But, they, but even con- so-called conservatives capitulate here and give in. Maybe sometimes it's subconscious. Most of the time it's not. I mean, this is in written stuff. They're referring to a man as a woman. So it's the same thing here when these, uh, you know, Romney and other people say, well, I believe in traditional marriage, but I really don't care how it's defined. Like, you are capitulating. You've, you've lost the battle. Let's, you know, so the, the liberals here want us to call, you know, redefine marriage. And also, as we move into kind of more of a local and maybe more of a pastoral approach here, the, the world wants us to redefine not only marriage, but sin, right? Just as we're not supposed to, you know, call this out and say, well, no, that's actually not marriage, a man and a man or a woman and a woman or a man and a hologram. No, that's not marriage. We're also not to say even that, that homosexuality, sodomy, we're not even, we can't say those things are sin because our culture wants to redefine sin. So let's move in now, Joel, to uh, the, the, the broader issue here uh, of addressing sin in the culture. But we're going to start here locally. Uh, I wrote an editorial, I guess, a couple weeks ago now, Joel, uh, about uh, two business leaders in Lancaster County, uh, Clint Shields and Tony Gibble, who run three stores in Elizabethtown, a toy store, a candy shop, and an ice cream shop. Okay, very appealing to, to children. Uh, and they're also self, you know, leaders of the county, of the community, I should say. Um, they run a group in the, in, the, in, the count, in the community there that is about uh, promoting family-friendly events. Okay, so how do, now how do we respond to the issue of public sin? That, that's why I bring that up. The, these two men um, have publicly celebrated their embrace of homosexuality at least in a public video of their fake wedding posted on YouTube for all to see. And also, I actually was, uh, Rita reached out to us because we had provided some coverage of one of the stores, and they said, why are you, you know, not pointing out or why are you covering this when when these men have posted nude pornographic pictures of themselves online that anybody can access? And they're running a... 
kid candy stores and ice cream ice cream shop and, and toy store and toy stores right and 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 leading family friendly quote unquote events in the town now that that's what obviously brings the situation to light even more okay so not only do you have people who are publicly celebrating their sin i mean any sort of public ceremony uh, of same-sex mirage in and of itself is a public declaration against God and His Word. On top of that, you post lewd pictures, which would be inappropriate for heterosexuals or homosexuals to, to post, you know, anywhere. So, but then you are a, you know, business and community leaders. So, that that was, be, you know, the idea behind this editorial, Joel, that that this is not simply a private sin that is happening behind closed doors. This has been made public by the perpetrators of the sin and it should be brought to light. Now, a lot of people took, it, not about a lot of people, some people took issue with that, Joel, and said, you know, why are you calling out this sin? That's not loving. That's not Christ-like. Um, that's not going to, to bring about positive change. Um, I want to read some of these responses, Joel, and then I want you to, to interact with this, uh, this idea of, you know, this, the sin of sodomy in particular, but, and then also in gen- general of how the Christian church has really been neutered when it comes to calling out sin by our culture, saying, well, you're going to offend people. So let me just read a couple things, and I'm going to let you respond to this. Um, one of the things I wrote in the editorial was, in a righteous society, such sin- sinful behavior would be rightfully shamed in the public square. So would fornication, adultery, and heterosexual pornography, by the way, which it used to be. Right, in many ways. It used to be embarrassing. Yeah, public ridicule of destructive sins serves to protect both the community and the sexual deviants from the consequences of the evil influence of bad morals. I have no ill will towards Mr. Mr. Gibble and Mr. Shields. I truly desire that they repent and find forgiveness and transformation in Christ. However, the Christian's love for those in rebellion against Christ does not mean that we will remain silent when they haughtily promote their sin for others to see. Uh, furthermore, when such men open stores appealing to children, it behooves those who love goodness to speak up. We are to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's a quote from Ephesians chapter 5. So that was a part of the editorial. Okay, And some people took umbrage at this saying, this is not loving, this is not Christ-like to call out this public sin. I just want to read uh, a couple things here. Th- these were public comments, so I'm re- going to read them publicly. Apparently you know nothing about the character of these two fine, upstanding men in our community. Judge not that ye be not judged. Of course, every non-Christian's favorite passage. Um, someone else said, these two, these two men are amazing people. They have done so much for the community and would do, any, and would do anything they could to help someone in need. The, this article is disgusting. The editorial is disgusting. Um, so let, let's start with, with, with that, Joel. The idea that, again, talking about standards, you know, these are upstanding, amazing people. Um, and I'm not saying that they're not nice people, that they wouldn't, you know, help an old lady across the street and, you know, have a nice conversation. But what we're talking about here is the issue of, of, of the sin. So what's your first reaction? I'm going to have some more stuff to read here, but what's your first reaction to that sort of response to, to publicly, in this case in an editorial, publicly exposing public sins? Sure. Um, yeah, my first response is going to be from um, a man we've talked about before, uh, John the Baptist. And he was a man that Christ said was the, you know, was the greatest, up to that time, was the greatest born among women. Christ later said that. So you have, you, you have quite an endorsement there from quite a source. Let's just say. It's, there's no higher endorsement 
and there's no higher source of the endorsement at all. And here's what um, Luke tells us about a little bit about John. He says this, he says, But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him, meaning John, concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also added this above all, that he shut up John in prison. Now there's a whole lot going on. I just read two verses, but there's a whole lot going on there. Right. First of all, let's, let's talk about Herod, a man with immense power. I mean, you come from a line, line of people who say, you know what? And this wasn't this Herod. Uh, this was a different Herod. But Herod being a name for a, 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 a regal royal title, if you will. So it's a different, different Herod than the one that killed the babies. But if your history of your Herods are, is, is a guy that's like, you know what? Um, I think today I'd like to kill all the boys in Jerusalem that are two years old and under. Yeah, I think I'd like to do that. Go do it. And it gets done. Right. You have some power. You, you, and, and you're a really, really bad person. Now, later on, a different Herod comes along, and he steals his brother's wife. Now, I don't know how many wives Herod had. My guess is he had probably more than one. Don't know. He definitely had one after he, more than one after he stole his brother's wife. We don't know how many his brother had. Maybe his brother only had one. I don't know. But he steals his brother's wife, and uh, what, what, what today, in today's Christian culture... Um, John should, in order to influence Herod to be in, in real generally biblical, right? That's what we run into all the time, right? These generalities. Mm-hmm. Be generally spiritual. Mm-hmm. Hey, John, you need to have a relationship with Herod. Actually, he did have a relationship with Herod, as we'll see. He had quite a relationship. Uh, it, it, but in any case, the last thing we, in today's Christian culture we would want him to do is to get, what's that word? What's that horrible word here? This is for our judge not folks. Right? But Herod the Tetrarch being, uh oh, it's the R word, Uh-oh. rebuked. Oh my word. Mm. Chris, I'm pretty sure that's the one thing we're not allowed to do anymore. Right. So uh, if you rebuke anyone, you're just wrong. And what is a rebuke? Is it just a gentle nudge, maybe in the right direction? Or how would you define rebuke uh, I, I in th- the context of biblical? <laughs> I, I, actually, I think it was what Mitt Romney did earlier, right? Rebuke is like, Hey, I'm still in favor of traditional marriage, but I, I guess we're all rebuked. Not at all. Um, what John did was said, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. We get that from other passages. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to do this. You can't do it. And so Her- uh, John is making a judgment. Now, again, Chris, I hate to make this point again, but whenever, you, you know, like, like here, you are rebuking these two. They should not be doing this. This is against the eternal law word of God. Which, I don't even think, you know, I, I didn't see all your correspondence, but did anybody take you at all take you to task for saying, no, this is not what the Bible teaches? No. Okay, okay, all right. As in saying, well, you know, the Bible allows this to Right, right, no, no, one, no one said that. Not, not to my okay. knowledge yet. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't think anybody and, could and, ever say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, not possible. But, no, you're, you're kind of being rebuked. yes. For, for not being nice. Being rebuked for rebuking. Yes. Yeah. So you can't get away from re- rebuking, Chris. Right. You can't get away from it. So we might as well line up with what God says in his word. Now let's ask the question. We're talking about justice. Here we go. Was it just for John the Baptist to rebuke Herod over the matter of his brother's wife? I mean, isn't, isn't Herod in charge? Uh, don't we believe in the two-kingdom theology? You know, that Jesus is, is king over the spiritual realm, right? 
But if Herod wants to go take a wife, uh, his brother's wife, what business is that of John the Baptist, right? Let's ask that. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's John. John was the one who was supposed to be the forerunner for Christ, right? The voice crying in the wilderness makes straight the paths of the Lord, right? And we have all the scripture telling that he was the forerunner of Christ. What's John doing getting off message here, right? Right. Isn't he kind of like going aside from what his real message? Hey, John, what was what, what, what it? You know, uh, stay in your lane. That's the phrase I'm looking for. John, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. But he does this. Mm-hmm. Now, listen to what it says about this. Herod was a bad guy. He did a lot of bad things. You know what it says his worst thing he did was? It said, Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, Herod had done a lot of bad stuff. John rebuked him for it. It wasn't just a matter of his brother's wife. He rebuked him for all the bad stuff that he did, right? Now, of all the bad stuff that he did, I'm getting a little bit worked up here, but for all the bad stuff that he did, you know what Luke tells us was the worst? He shut John up in prison so he didn't have to hear it anymore. Right. My dear friends, if you are taking anyone to task for calling out public sin, you've already been spoken about by Luke here in his book. The worst thing that John did, Herod, or yeah, that Herod did, excuse me, thank you, that Herod did was shut up John so he didn't have to hear it anymore. Because he was rebuking him for public sin. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. Well, well said. And, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate the responses and interaction to this editorial online. And, um, you know, I think this is a good opportunity to bring some of this stuff to the fore. Because you're absolutely right. I mean, and that was w- another one of the, the comments, uh, you know, made very respectfully that, you know, this is not the, the Christian approach. You know, that we should not be... Uh, we should not be doing this because, you know, if, if who are we to, quote unquote, judge others? You know, it, it would be almost hip, hip, you know, hypocritical. The argument is made for any any Christian to call out the sins of someone else. But again, that goes back to to the John the Baptist example. John the Baptist was not sinless. None of the prophets were. The only sinless one of the walk this earth was our Lord Jesus Christ. So all these other prophets and men of God were not sinless, but yet they still called out people for their public sins, especially. And that, that's an important issue here. You know, by, by what standard are we going to be rebuking? Because as you said, said it's, it's going to happen uh, one way or another. So yeah, what about John the Baptist? What about Jeremiah, who, who's call, calling out uh, you know, public sins? Because, I don't want to talk about this now, Joel, because of one of the reasons... Number one, because of the concern you have for those people and their eternal welfare, but also the damage to society. I think this is lost on maybe a lot of conservatives or professing Christians. You know, what is the danger here in a sin like this? And certainly these two men aren't the only ones, unfortunately, in the county that are probably celebrating this sin like this. It just so happened their, their, their position, their prominence in Elizabethtown. But what's the, what's the, the danger here? I mean, because it started initially with, with this in our nation, I guess in my lifetime, with, well, let's just accept the, the sin of homosexuality. You know, it's just going to happen in, in, you know, in people's private lives. And then it moved from that to, well, we need to recognize it. 
you know, we need to at least acknowledge this is a legitimate thing and then start granting the right to marriage and adopt. And now it's come to, well, you need to celebrate this and you need to bow to it or else you are the bigot and you're the problem. But as a pastor, Joel, and as someone who's, who's interacted with, with this sin and Scripture and I'm sure talking to people, is there's a danger here to society, which is why, biblically, you would have some serious sanctions against these sins. I mean, what are some of the dangers to a society being given over to this sin? And in this case, you know, allowing you know, sodomites and homosexuals to, to, to quote-unquote, marry, to adopt children. And uh, I, I want to read the 1828 Webster's definition for sodomy, and it's simply this, a crime against nature. A crime against nature. And that's one of the things I mentioned in the editorials that the Westminster Larger Catechism says some sins in themselves and by reason of several aggravations are more heinous in the sight of God than others. Now, all sin is sin, right? And unrepentant sin leads to hell, but the, the Westminster divines recognized there are certain sins that are going to lead to more damage, right? In that sense, they're more heinous. You know, I mean, if I, if I lust in my heart, that's a wicked sin that deserves hell if I don't repent. But if I go out and murder someone and steal from someone else and, and, and do all these vile things to other people, it, it, is, it is more heinous in a sense. But here it says one of, the, one of the aggravations, they say that the sin is against the light of nature or that the sin is against the express letter of the law or it's, it's committed by persons whose example is likely to be followed by others. All these are examples of sins that become more heinous. And, and that, this is a heinous sin, a homosexuality. And... It's being committed, in this case, um, by leaders, at least in one sense. So, what are some of the dangers here that, you know, I, people like us may be, be rebuked and say, you can't call this out, uh, that's not loving, it's hateful. What about the danger being, ca- being caused by, by the sin itself? Yeah, so let's talk about that. I want to talk about a practical example, and I want to talk about what the Scriptures ha- have to say about this. What the Scriptures have to say about this has to do with with, with a lot more than what happens between two consenting adults. Um, but let's talk first of all about a, an incident that happened that you and I were both involved in um, back in June at a quote-unquote pride fest. And there was a young, young man there. Um, it's heartbreaking. Uh, he told some of the guys that were there preaching, uh, sharing the love of Christ with these folks, wanting to, to steer them off of the path that they were on. And I want to talk about the deadly path. And we, we, you'll see it illustrated here. And I think you, you're going to recall at least some of the details of this. There's a young man there. He, he was, looked like he was about his early 20s. At some points, he interacted with us rather calmly and rationally. Mm-hmm. At other points, he was like screaming and yelling. Right. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah. And um, it turned out during one of his more quiet times as he inter- interacted with us, that he stated that he's a very unhappy young man and that he is going to get a transition um, uh, operation, become a girl, become a woman, he said. And he said he's not going to be happy until that happens, he stated. Mm-hmm. Our counselor asked him, he said, well, what if you're not going to be happy? What, you might, you'll be happy for a little while. What, if, what happens when you're not happy anymore? Because that could happen. Mm-hmm. two, three weeks, months, whatever, down the road, now you're not happy anymore. And his response was instantaneous. Then I'm going to kill myself. And, and Chris, there was no one around. I mean, the, you remember that day, there were lots of people arguing with us, yelling at us, mm-hmm. calling us names, etc. There was not one of his quote-unquote friends mm-hmm. that came to him and said, no, no, don't kill, 
you have much to live for. Not, it meant nothing to them. It meant nothing to them. It was like, okay, if you want to kill yourself, go kill yourself. What, 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 what's that my responsibility? I, I, I don't care. Well, how in the world, if we say, as Christians, that we love our neighbor, how in the world are we supposed to stand by while this kind of thing is going on, and we all know that the numbers say that in that community, the homosexual community, suicide is, is it's a, it's a very real thing and a very clear and present thing that goes on all the time. You, when you enter that trans-homosexual community, your chances of, co- of committing suicide just go up drastically. Now, how is it then that those who point this out are unloving, just like... Just like I'm sure there are some folks that said John the Baptist was unloving. But how could John have been any more loving, Chris? Mm -hmm. He told him what God had to say about what he had done. I ask, what could be more loving than that? John certainly loved Herod. All the people in Herod, you're the king. Herod, just do what you want to do. You're the Herod after all. You're the Tetrarch. Those are not people that love Herod at all. Those are people that love their own position. Mm -hmm. Those are people that love their own status. Mm -hmm. But they don't love Herod. You know who loves Herod? John. That's who loves Herod. But there's another part of this. And that is this. When we take the good gifts that God gives to us, in this case being marriage, the gift of sex within marriage, that's a gift. And it is a gift that's supposed to result in life. When, when, when God sees marriage, he sees children. I, I, I give a quick example. You mentioned Jeremiah earlier. Uh, you know, God said to Jeremiah, um, you know, you're ministering in a, in a real mess here. I don't want you to get married. You're not going to be married. I'm going to tell you why. Because I don't want you bringing up children in this mess. So you know, today we would say, well, I'm going to get married. I don't have children. Right, yeah. No children. When God sees marriage, he sees children as a, as a wonderful gift. So the gift of sex within marriage is a gift of life. Children come from this, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, like I said earlier, 21 grandchildren running around the lodge. It, it, it was on the edge of chaos. <laughs> but it was life. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was lots and lots of life, and it, it, it's, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. By the way, uh, I just found out we're expecting a... So we were expecting two more, and now we're expecting three more. Just found that out. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, which is pretty cool, very exciting. Now, here's what I want to talk about God's gifts. When we pervert God's gifts, what we see is the exact opposite result of the reason why he gave us the gift to begin with. And we see this with abortion. We see this with homosexuality. And we see it with, um, with innocent blood, quite frankly. Here's why. When we take God's gifts of sex and we take it outside of marriage... There is death as a result. There is abortion. It's, it's happening all over the place. And we have then the, the shedding of innocent blood. Now, here's something may, that, that, that will, that, that's is going to feel like it's maybe off the reservation a little bit. But pollution, according to the scriptures, is not chemicals. I mean, it could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if you drink uh, you know, cyanide or whatever... Mm-hmm. But God's when he talks about pollution, he says things like the land was polluted. That word is used. And you know what pollutes the land? It's innocent blood and sexual sins, which you always see together. When sex gets outside of marriage, you see death and pollution. So we can't, you know, this idea of conservatives and even some Christians say, well, hey, what, two consenting adults? 
you know what? If God has spoken here, and he has not said two consenting adults can do whatever they want, there was a case in, in Germany here a while ago where a guy consented to be um, cannibalized, to be eating, to be eaten. Two consenting adults. Hey, uh, who are you and me to say anything, right? Wow. <laughs> two consenting adults. If that's the standard from God, then you and I are good with it. Did they go through with it? They, they did indeed. What, did they charge the... The, the man was charged, and when I read the article, this was years ago, they still didn't quite know what to do with it. They didn't know how to do it because he had, what he had done, Chris, was he had put an ad in the paper that he wanted to um, uh, meet up with a young, healthy young man to slaughter. That was what it said in the, in the he wants to slaughter him. What and, paper published that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which paper it was, but maybe they thought it was a joke. I don't know. Was he paying? I don't know. But hey, if you're if you're staying with two consenting adults, right. you know who who can who can say anything? Mm-hmm. So the the results of looking away, which we are not allowed to do if we love Christ and love love our neighbor, mm-hmm. is disastrous for others. It's for the future. And I, you know, you've heard me say before, Chris, um, we think of loving our neighbors as the people beside us. Mm-hmm. But we also love our neighbors, the people who are coming after us. Mm-hmm. And I've often said people loved me. I didn't, I didn't build the roads. I didn't clear the land. I didn't invent these wonderful things. I was just saying to someone last night, you know, you know how cold it's been here lately. Here I am sitting in this warm house. Five feet away from me, it's freezing. And if I was out there all night, I probably wouldn't live. Right? Who are these pe- people that invented these things, loved their neighbor, me, even though I wasn't their neighbor at the time. How can we possibly say we're loving our neighbor and stand by when, when people are doing things that God says he's going to curse the land if this goes on? We can't say we love our neighbor. Right. That's, that's one of the huge issues here that is overlooked by conservatives, professing Christians, that this, there's no consequences to the community for the public celebration of sin and there are and the more we embrace this sin or as you mentioned you know turn a blind eye to it the more it will spread so a couple more things here joel we'll keep this this brief today but another accusation or or critique maybe is a better word is like if you if you call out sin like this if you call out uh, the sin of sodomy, the, the public celebration of homosexuality, you're acting as if you're superior to others, right? Like you're, the whole judge not thing, I know you touched on it briefly, but you're acting as if you're superior to others. Um, and people will say, well, don't, you don't need to do this publicly. So I maybe want to have you address both of those. The idea of, you know, anytime, I mean, if that's the case, Joel, that we can't, we can't call out public sin, because none of us are perfect, then there can be no calling out of any sin ever. And as you mentioned, the, the cannibalism, and people say, oh, these are extreme. Well, but logically, if there's not a standard that we can point to and say this is right and this is wrong, then if our standard is, well, you can't, you're going to be superior to someone else if you are claiming you are if you say that this, this is a, a dangerous sin or even just saying that it is a sin, then really we can't call out anything, and there is no standard. Uh, and the other thing is, <clears throat> I'm going to bring both of these things up and let you respond to both or either, is to not respond publicly. You know, people could say, well, you shouldn't make a public response, whether it's this podcast or the editorial. 
uh, to what these, these men are doing. Just talk privately to them. Well, it's a public matter, first of all, right? When it's posted publicly uh, for people to see, this, this is a public matter. It's not a private matter. All right, and it's being people that are presenting themselves as community leaders. Now, I'm not opposed to, and maybe you wouldn't be either, I'm not opposed to, to speaking with these two men and even bringing them in Absolutely. here, here to, to talk about this sure. issue. But that doesn't mean we cannot point out public sin first. Right? We're not here talking about an example of someone who's offended me uh, privately and then I don't talk to them, I just broadcast what they've done. This has been done publicly in the open, uh, and so we are responding to that. Or, you know, I did with that editorial in our comments today. You know, they certainly didn't ask me or you before they posted their pornographic picture. So it's not something where it was like this was that this was a private interaction. This is a public sin. That if we cannot address public sin, what can we address? The answer is we can't address anything. Of course, um, this idea of of well, you, you're saying you're superior. That's always a nice little, shall we say, red herring. And who are you to judge and so forth. I want to talk about a, 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 a man who uh, may come up in the future conversations, I don't know, the Marquis de Sade. Um, the man from whom, whom we get the word sadism from, he was a monster. He, to, to, to look at his photo, not his photo, obviously didn't have photos back then, but look at his portrait, he looks like one of our founding fathers. Mm. You know, he had the wig and the powdered hair and all that kind of stuff. And he lived during that, that time as well. And he's a marquee. I mean, you know, he's a somebody. And he argued, Chris, that um, if, it, if it can be done, if it's natural, who are you to tell him not to do it? So he, 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 he sexually tortured his wife. He tortured other people. He was an absolute monster. You know what his response was? Who are you to tell me? Are you superior to me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so what am I supposed to say? No, I'm not superior to you. You know what? I don't, I, the, how, how did that, you're, you're torturing people. Now the issue is who's superior between you and me. How did that happen? Right. And try that next time in the court of law when you're being tried for something. Right. Uh, it's somehow it's supposed to work on Christians. It probably does most of the time. right? Oh, I'm not saying I'm superior. That becomes the issue, right? right. I'm not saying I'm superior. Now we're, let's talk about that. You know, um, try that in a court of law. Hey, who are you, judge, to judge me? Judge not, lest you be I judge. Right. Are you superior to me? Y yeah. Are you sinless? Y yeah. You're, it's hypocritical for you to, you know, rule in this case. You're not perfect. Right. Have you ever done anything wrong? And so these people that attack God's spokesmen who speak up about these things will never, they will never do that in a court of law. That's because the real God is speaking there in the court of law. It's the state. Right, yeah. The, the, the state's... Thousands and thousands and thousands of laws are, are their guiding lamp. Yeah, yeah that, that's right. Let's, I mean, let's talk about this, though, briefly. Judge not, lest you be judged, and let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Because those are, I mean, those are probably the top two verses uh, <clears throat> that nonbelievers have memorized. Yeah, right. Judge not, and let him who is without sin cast the first stone. But what, what, what's really going on there? I mean, I know we don't have time to get into a full exegetical Bible study here, but when we say, you know, when Jesus made, you know, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Uh, the context of that was really that these the scribes and Pharisees had, had brought a woman to him who was caught in the act of adultery, but there's no man. And under biblical law, the man and the woman would be held to account for their sins. And biblical law would also require that those who are making this accusation would be willing to make the charges and be the first to throw the stone. 
right? So Jesus is not abandoning biblical law. He's following it. And when he confronts these scribes and Pharisees and says, okay, which one of you is without sin? Now, of course, see, he did not mean, if you take the context of Scripture, that only sinless people can render civil judgments. If that's the case, as you mentioned, we could have no punishments for any civil sin because every single judge that has ever existed on earth except Christ has had sin. So in that context there, the Lord Jesus is saying, the one of you that is without sin in regard to this case, the one of you that has come here with a righteous intention of seeing justice done, let's present, present your case. And you know what happened when he said that? They all walked away and none of them brought a charge. And then, of course, he tells the woman, you know, go and sin no more. So he's still rebuking her for her behavior, but he's saying go and sin no more. And the same thing with, with judge not, lest you be judged. Of course, Jesus in the, uh, says in, in the Gospel, I believe, of John, will judge with righteous judgment, right? Yeah, don't use a standard of judgment on someone else that you don't use on yourself. Judge by the standard of the Word of God. So I just want you to comment on, on that because that's a huge uh, response or a popular response. Judge not, lest you be judged. Are you without sin? Who are you to cast a stone at, at these men? Well, uh, first of all, I'm not bringing a, a civil charge against them. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing out their sin publicly. And if that's what, if you're going to twist Scripture, that that's what it means, then there can be no sin ever publicly yeah. rebuked. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if, if, if Jesus would have been that private guy that our, a lot of even Christians want us all to be, he would never have been crucified. He would have just been this quiet, you know, like, hey, you know, he and I talked and we worked out our differences behind closed doors. Oh, okay, we're, we're, we're good. But I really believe that, that, that Matthew 23 was, was a definite turning point where he, in front of his disciples and in the hearing of everyone, he called out hypocrisy very, very publicly. Mm -hmm. He could have done that in private. He could have had like a nice closed door meeting. Mm -hmm. He could have met with these people, come out of a meeting, all smiles, shaking hands, line up for the cameras, and we've settled our differences, but he didn't do it. Mm -hmm. He continued to say what, these people are hypocrites. They they bind burdens on on people that they won't lift themselves. We we have that among our politicians. Uh, You you know, um, um, what's my word? Um, Setting themselves apart from from the laws that they pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, it, it applies to everyone else. It doesn't right. apply to me. That is what Christ is talking about. Heavy burden on someone else. Not on me, though. And he says they won't lift a finger. And we've got that, we get that word that we use even today. Won't lift a finger mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to carry the burden themselves. So Christ, most of all, calls out hypocrisy. Now, why is he doing this? Well, in the Judge Not passage, he says, you know, first... First, clean out the beam in your own eye. Then, then you'll be able to help the other guy get the, the, the speck out of his eye. The purpose, this is lost, the purpose for getting the beam out of your own eye is to absolutely be able to help your neighbor who apparently is unable, this is important, to get the speck out of his own eye without your help. Mm. So this is a call for righteous judgment, as Christ said. Judge righteously. So it, it, far, far from being a, a call for never judging ever again in your lifetime, it's a call for proper judgment. Right. That's uh, addressing that. Now, in, in terms of him, it was out, you know, sin casts the first stone, you're exactly right, Chris. Christ set up the possibility for a trial right then and there per God's law. Okay? She's caught here. What do you say? Everybody knows the personal trial was not the woman. It was Christ. 
Moses said such a person should be stoned, but what do you say, right? Do we do Moses or do we do you? You're quite a teacher. Mm, I don't know, Moses, Jesus, we don't know. And at the end he says, woman, where are your accusers? Mm-hmm. There were no accusers. So there couldn't be a trial. Right, exactly. Yeah, so the judgment here too, I just want to make this clear. People say, oh, you're, who are you to condemn these people? Well, we're not condemning them, right? They're condemned already, Scripture says, right? If, if, if you're living in sin and open rebellion against Christ, I, I, I mean, we can't condemn anybody. Right? And, and, you know, Chris, you can see that condemnation, con- the, the conscience. You can see that as you've been out in front of an abortion clinic, mm-hmm. you know, right here in Lancaster. You know, I'll, I'll be out there and with other, with other folks, and people will slow down, you know, roll down their passenger window, mm-hmm. you know, and scream obscenities at you. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, I'm just out there. Mm-hmm. I, 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 aren't you okay with just, just another opinion? Mm-hmm. Why? Why are you so exercised? I, you know what I think is happening? I think your conscience is accusing you. And your conscience is speaking. And you know, you know that there's something really, really wrong going on here. And you have to... In order to shout down your own conscience, you have to scream at someone who's pointing it out. Right. Yeah, and that's and it's kind of a side note here. It's 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 somewhat ironic that when you do call out certain sins or you call call, call to account worldviews and people respond with, "Well, this is offensive. What about freedom of thought and freedom of well? What about the freedom to call out the sin according yeah. to God's word?" So. I want to talk about this idea of, of public shaming. I know we can't get into it too much, yeah. but, but one, of, one of the responses, you know, again, respectful response saying, okay, well, if we were, what about the sins we've committed? Aren't, wouldn't we be worthy of, of, of public shaming for every sin we committed? Well, the reality is if a sin is private, right, we're still going to be held to account for that mm-hmm. sin by God, but it's not in the public, so people don't know about it. So when it's moved into the public realm, I mean, if I committed a heinous sin in the public, I would hope that you would be loving enough to call that out, you know, in the public. I mean, if I went and was cheating on my wife and sleeping around and posting Facebook pictures of it, God forbid, like, I hope that people would would call that out publicly. So this idea that, well, we're all sinners, we can't, you know, we we can't ever say something's a sin, uh, you know, or we can't call it out publicly, I think is, goes against the biblical idea of, of, of the gospel. And I think a lot of this is just somewhat basic. The preaching of the gospel is repentance of sin, right? And faith in Christ. And you can't have faith in Christ if you don't repent of your sin. And I know you have as well. I mean, I've had lots of conversations with, with people who are practicing homosexuality, with sodomites, you know, on the streets and doing evangelism. And at the end of the day, in these conversations, it's the love of their sin that causes them to get offended when you warn them, whether it's of their fornication, right, sleep is sleeping around, sleeping with their girlfriend, whether it's blasphemy, whether it's sodomy, what offends them the most is that when, when you, you know, their love of that sin, right? If you called, you are, you're headed to hell if you don't turn and repent, and you and I would be going right there with them, but for the grace of God. But this, this idea, this neutering of the Christian message in this area and in a lot of areas uh, is very bad news for our, our society, our county, and our nation because the blessings that the gospel brings are, are being diluted 
by people who say, well, yeah, I, I believe in traditional marriage like a Romney, which obviously he doesn't believe in the biblical gospel as a, as a Mormon, but other people say, well, you know, we, yeah, we believe this stuff is sin, but we can't call it out. It's not loving. And so all the while, the sin just continues to grow with no voice calling them out, lovingly saying, turn from this sin. This sin is taking you to hell. I don't, you know, I don't want that for you. I want you to turn and find Christ. So, you know, that's, that's a huge part of this, that the gospel is being diluted by people who, who say they're all about love. Yeah, here's a question. Uh, Jonah, 40 days and 40 nights, Nineveh will be destroyed. Loving or not loving? God was going to destroy the place. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, it was horribly sinful and wicked. Jonah goes and tells him that God's going to do that. Right. The most loving man in the whole in the whole city that it took three three days to walk across was obviously Jonah. Think about Christ himself. He says this. I mean, this is nice words of Christ in red and everything, right? Here we go. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. The thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that maybe the people that love Christ need to identify the thieves that come to steal, kill, and destroy? Is that, is that not a loving thing? And introduce them to the Christ right. who's come to give life and to give it more abundantly even. Mm-hmm. But no, we're being told, you know what? The way to really share life is to ignore the thief who's stealing, killing, and destroying. Right. I want to end with, with this one comment, give a brief word on this. Um, and this really goes back to the standard. Right? Do, someone responded to a quote I had of, judge by righteous, uh, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That's what the Lord Jesus said. And this person said, well, I prefer to judge based on actions and deeds. These two incredible human beings are well known for their professionalism, their care for the people of the community, charitable acts, and strong ethics that they've poured into their businesses, and absolute decency as people. Okay, so you're, you're judging based on actions and deeds, but again, by what standard? Right? By what standard would this person say, I'm going to judge these men or any people and say, you know, this is ethically right or this is ethically wrong. Um, they treat others with kindness and respect, so on and so forth. That is how to judge righteously, not through the thin veil of religion so many so-called Christians use to disguise their hatred to the gaze. Wait to love thy neighbor as thyself, sir. So that was a comment, right, and a critique. And, and I, I welcome the comments, and it was a critique saying, okay, you, 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 I'm going to judge based on th- this different standard. And then, of course, he gives out his standard, which is a humanistic standard. And the standard that we must use if we are to make any right judgment is the Word of God. And that's what this always comes back to. Is it going to be the Word of God or the Word of man? So, um, getting near the end here, Joel, anything else you want to say on this, on this issue uh, of the Christian response to public sin, the importance of calling this out, uh, the, the need to be, you know, in the public square calling out sin? Yeah. There's a man who should have called out sin, and he didn't. And then the sin wound up swallowing swallowing him up. I'm thinking, of course, of Lot, Abram's nephew. Mm. You know, it's intriguing that the, that the men filled up the public square outside of his home. And it's not that hard to see that he did not, he did not oppose sin in Sodom publicly. And what happened to him ultimately was they wanted to come into his house. We had better understand mm. that if we will not call out sin publicly, it's not going to stay out in the square 
they're going to come into our house and want to, we might as well fight them in the, we might as well say what needs to be said in the square, because if we don't, they're coming to our house. That's powerful and troubling, and it's hard to argue against it, because we've even seen that theme, you know, in other areas, where, okay, the, the ungodly push in this direction, and eventually it comes to, well, if you're teaching your kids this, yes. or if, yep. you're, if you're not teaching your kids this, yep. well, now the state's going to get involved. So you're absolutely yeah. right, and that's another great reason that we need to be bold about this. And yes, we, we need to be loving, and we can always work on, on tone and stuff. I think you preached a great sermon, or at least you addressed it, whether in a sermon on that issue. But the most important thing is truth. Right, and are we going to be telling people the truth? And so, I would invite people. You know, anybody listening to this, or that, know, if if people want to talk about this, if people want to want to challenge what we're saying, contact me and come into this podcast and talk to us about it. You know, should should we be calling out public sins, or should we be turning a blind eye uh, and just letting these things grow in our county? So, I hope people take us up on that challenge. I hope it's podcasts like this and editorials, uh, perhaps, that will challenge people to say. What standard are we using? Because in all these cases, starting with Schumer, Romney, the responses to publicly calling out uh, these men for celebrating homosexuality publicly, the response is there's always been a standard in there. It, none of these people have been saying, well, there, there's no standard. It's always that you have the wrong standard. You shouldn't follow the word of God. You should follow the word of man. And uh, we'd be willing to, to stand on the word of God and discuss this with anyone. So, Joel, thanks for joining me today. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, very important topic. There's much more that could be said. I encourage you to, to uh, you know, go to the Scriptures, read Romans 1, see the consequences that sin brings on the people committing the sin. And I know in my life, you know, if, if Christ hadn't mercifully saved me, I would be continuing down that road. And so we, we call out sin and we point people to Christ because we love them. It's not that Christians are better than other people, but Christians are better off than non-Christians. And, and we are... We are beggars who are trying to point other people to the bread, the, light, the bread of life we found in Christ. But you can't do that if you're you know, neutered from calling out sin. Read the accounts in, in the Gospels. Read the book of Acts. Read the, you know, the epistles from, from Paul and Peter. There's always a component of calling out sin every time. So we can't share Christ in love if we don't call out sin. So for more information on Joel Saint, listen to his sermons, uh, go to Independence Reformed Bible Church's website, which is irbc.church. His sermons are on sermon audio. For more information about the Lancaster Patriot, go to thelancasterpatriot.com. Subscribe to our print paper delivered once a week to your house. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. <laughs>